You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. I really ran my mouth at the beginning of last week's podcast, so I'm going to be brief, uncharacteristically brief today so we can get more of your calls in on the show. Uh, I just wanted to say that the last time I was stressed out, really exhausted, a little depressed, I didn't fuck a 16-year-old who came to me seeking advice. I took a vacation. But then I am not a Bible-humping, family-valuing, gay-bashing pastor of a shitty-ass megachurch somewhere in Indiana. Jack A. Shap, who is the pastor of a Northwest Indiana megachurch, uh, was sent a 15-year-old girl with a bow on her head, apparently, who needed counseling. He groomed her and allegedly fucked the shit out of her, and prosecutors at his trial have introduced all sorts of emails between Pastor Shap and his victim, in which he explains that Jesus wants him to fuck her. You opened your heart wide to me. You made me more than a pastor rescuer. You made me your friend and confident, your beloved that is exactly what Christ desires for us. He wants us to be eternal lovers, Pastor Shap told the young lady. The relationship actually isn't alleged. Shap has admitted to it, but he said that he was suffering from stress, exhaustion, depression, burnout, and several other medical maladies. I wasn't aware that there was a medical malady that one of the symptoms of was your dick in a 15-year-old girl, but apparently there is. Hopefully it's not contagious. Hopefully it isn't spreading like wildfire throughout Indiana. Maybe gay guys are immune to the medical malady that results in your dick in the mouth of a 15-year-old girl sent to you for counseling. You know, right-wing Christian religious nutbag evangelical fuckwit haters, they're always running around saying that gay people are seducing children or pursuing children. We're all pedophiles. Bullshit. If gay people raped kids at the clip – that ordained Catholic priests and, and shitty-ass megachurch pastors raped kids. Every gay bar in America would be on fire right now. There would be angry mobs outside of every gay bar in America. It's projection. The good pastor, the good anti-gay pastor, knew what he was doing with his dick and needed to create a distraction. So he said, look over there. Look at the awful gay people. They're coming for your kids. Meanwhile, I'm coming in your kid. But once again, and I'll leave it here, I said I wasn't going to go on too long at the beginning of this week's podcast, if kids got raped at Denny's as often as they get raped in churches, if kids got raped at Denny's half as often, a quarter as often as they get raped in churches, people would call child protective services on parents foolish enough or reckless enough to take their kids to Denny's. It would be illegal to take your kid to Denny's if kids got raped at Denny's as often as they get raped at church. Your calls after this. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com. For a limited time only, Adam and Eve will let you pick three free adult DVDs with your order. Just go to AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hey, Dan. I'm a college student in the Southwest America. Um, and I have a crazy question for you. I'm kind of freaking out right now. 
so here's the story. I spent a semester abroad um, a couple years ago, and I met a dude that I hooked up with a couple times. We had great chemistry. Um, I'm kind of submissive, and he was the perfect kind of dominant, and it was just great. But we met at the end of my semester, so we were only able to you know, hook up a couple times. Anyway, he's coming to the States for a business trip in a couple weeks, and he emailed me and wants to fly me out to meet him for a few days. And number one, that's like really flattering that he'd want to spend money on me and do that. Number two, it's exciting, you know, the sexual conquest that could happen. But I'm kind of freaking out. Like, should I go? Um, is it dangerous? Also, part of me is wondering if it's prostitution, since he's kind of paying for a vacation for me. Or is that more of a sugar daddy status? And what's the difference, really? Um, also, what precautions should I take? I'll obviously tell from my close friends and family, like, where I'll be. Um, maybe not the details of why I'm going there, but, you know, I'll make my friends aware. Also, what kind of things would you recommend? Stipulations or demands or a less scary word should I make as a sub going out to meet him? Do I demand the free time to go out and kind of do some shopping and sightseeing? Or, you know, should I expect to stay in a hotel all day? Hey, it's Dan. Hi, Dan. Uh, so you still thinking about this trip? No, I think I made a decision. Oh, what decision did you make? <laughs> I decided not to take it. Not why? To go. Why? I was going to tell you to go and then give us a call and let us know how it went. But why did you decide not to go? <laughs> I decided because um, I was thinking about it for a couple of days and it sounded way fun and sexy and crazy. And then I jacked off and then I thought about it. <laughs> and... <laughs> It just wasn't at all like what I wanted to do. I thought that it probably would have been uncomfortable the whole time and like been mm-hmm. feeling really stupid, especially after the orgasm. I'd be laying in bed like, why the hell am I here? This is the dumbest thing I've ever done. Now, I mean, just let me game this out with you a little bit. Uh, not to talk you out of the decision that you've made, but you, sure. you've already hooked up with this guy a couple of times. What was your impression of him? Yeah, that's the thing. He He was really great. We were very compatible, but he wasn't... He didn't communicate, like, at all, and that was really frustrating. How, how do you mean um, he didn't communicate at all? You, you say you're submissive and he's dominant. Were you guys doing bondage? Were you hooded or something? What do you mean you didn't communicate at all? Um, not even that intense. I just am very, I like servitude, um, like a lot of massages and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just wouldn't say what he wanted. Like, he wouldn't say, you know, he would just kind of, like, motion. And sometimes I was confused and I'd say, like, what? Like, what do you want me to do? Uh-huh. And he just wouldn't say it. He would just kind of, like, have me do it. And okay. uh, I think that's it even in general, because even his emails are very, like, short and very, like, non-detail-oriented, and that just doesn't uh, gel with me very well. All right. Well, um, I'm, you've, you've talked me into backing the decision that you've made, doing any sort of, like, dumb subplay or doing any sort of, mm-hmm. I like you, we hooked up once, let me send you an airline ticket, we'll hang out for a couple of days. You, you should, I, I would encourage you to do that, but not with somebody who can't communicate yeah. about what his expectations are and exactly. what he wants and what he's offering you and what he's not offering you. So mm-hmm. it, it's the right call. It sounds like you know the, the broad outlines turn you on, like being flown out by some guy who's really into you and there's sort of a dumb sub thing going on. Yeah. But the, the, the reality of this being that guy doesn't work because he doesn't communicate. Yeah, and I even kind of gave him a second chance. I emailed him and I was like, here's the deal. Like I'm not comfortable with all this. And I kind of said maybe if you could you know, like let me know more of what you expect and let me know – what the days will look like, just like a general outline, just something, you know? 
Uh-huh. And uh, he hasn't even emailed back, so I don't know. Yeah. I guess that's it. Mm, fuck that guy. There are better guys. You know, I have friends who are deep into the kink scene who've flown out to meet people who had dungeons and stuff and taken much bigger risks than just being in a hotel room with somebody where there's a little DS vibe going on. And uh-huh. the advice is, as you said, let somebody know where you are. But also you need a backup plan. Like if you had gone, if you were thinking about going, if he was better and more communicative and you still had these concerns – you know, you need a ticket that if you know things aren't going well, that you can go to the right back to the airport uh, that day or early and get on a plane, or you need another place to stay in town if you have friends there or mutual friends there. Uh, that you have a backup, you have somewhere to go if it's not working. That you're not obligated to stay in that room with him for two or three days if you feel awkward yeah. or uncomfortable or unsafe. And, and then it's okay to like take a risk and have a little fun like that. And it's really not prostitution. Um, there's somebody at a stage of life where that's. You know, he's older, more successful perhaps. You know, he has an income. He, you know, yeah. he's a business person. He travels. It's a small thing to like gift you um, an airline ticket. It's no more expensive than taking you out for a really pricey meal. So I don't uh-huh. think you should be conflicted about that. But what you are conflicted about, he can't communicate. Absolutely, you shouldn't go if he can't tell you what he wants, yeah. what his expectations are. Totally. But if you get this offer in the future from some other Dom guy that you dig who can communicate, go. Yeah. Have some fun. Totally. And it's kind of like, I don't know, in my experience, if the sub is happy, the Tom is happy, you know? Um, mm. And I don't think you get that. Like, I know that I'm the sub, but I still have to make a few demands, you know, as in any relationship. Like, it's not just I take everything he gives me, which is nothing, and then I'm happy right. to know if, if he, yeah, if he communicates and kind of gives me what I want, then, like, I'd be all his. You know, he's, he's not doing that. And so I guess he has to learn the hard way. I don't know. Sounds like you made the right call. But you might want to beat off about it one or two more times, but you made the right call. Yeah, probably will. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Bye. Hello, Dan. I am 33 and in a committed, long-term relationship with an amazing woman who is 28. Before calling, I browsed the savage love letter of the day. I did not find anything relating to our problem, so I'm hoping you can help us out. We have a wonderful relationship and are both very happy. We communicate and are supportive of one another. There is just one challenge we face, one that I understand affects many couples our economic disparity. Simply put, she makes two-thirds more than I do. To further exacerbate the difference in our income, I have more bills than she does. I have a car payment while she does not. Her parents still pay for her cell phone insurance while my parents died my freshman year in college. Neither of us have any outstanding credit card debt or student loans. She is able to put money into her savings every week while I am scrambling paycheck to paycheck. And honestly, there are some weeks when I am forced to skip meals. At the moment, other than rent, we split our bills 50-50. I struggle to keep up, buying groceries when it's my turn, paying my half when we go on vacation, making sure I buy dinner or drinks when we go out. I'm not one to care about traditional gender roles, but I must admit, as a man, I do feel pressure. There are many times I will pick up the tab, out of pride and because I love her and want her to feel special, even though I know that's my last 20, and I have no idea how I'm going to get through the rest of the week. Dan, I'm very, very proud of her success. I want her to enjoy her success. I absolutely see it as her money and not our money. But it is difficult. We've talked about it lately, and it bothers her to see me struggle. My parents had a miserable, abusive marriage, and I grew up nightly with arguments about money, how there was never enough. I don't want money to get in the way of our fantastic relationship. We are working together to find a solution. Any guidance or advice you have will be greatly appreciated. You don't say how long you've been together or what kind of commitment that you've made, and that is relevant. If you are 
newish boyfriends and girlfriends, if you've just moved in with each other, if you're still you know, doing that dance, getting to know each other and both of you independently deciding whether you want to make a lifelong commitment to the other and you've reached the stage of life 33 and 28 where people do make those kinds of decisions, it's totally legit to continue to split things 50-50. As awkward as that is right now and even as right now that puts more economic pressure on you. You should of course resist the male thing to grab the check if it's your last 20. She knows what your financial situation is and you shouldn't feel pressured to do that and she should step up and not allow you to do that. But in every long-term relationship, you reach a point where you're no longer roommates, you're no longer auditioning each other, that you've made a commitment that this is the person you're going to be with for life. And my POV is if you share your life, you share your dough. Some couples just pool all their resources, one big checking account, they trust each other, they don't keep their money separate. Uh, that's not for every couple. But if you're going to keep your money separate, if she's going to have her checking account and, and her income and you're going to have your own checking account and your own income, you at least divide up the bills proportionate to your incomes, which means she pays more than you do. It's unfair to the person with the smaller income to divide things in a long-term committed perhaps for life relationship to divide things 50-50. And remember, what goes around comes around. You may have the, the smaller income now. But it's possible she could be unemployed at a certain point or your career could take off and you could be making a lot more money than she does. So hammering out this kind of agreement that we're going to pay expenses fairly based on you know a proportionate distribution based on our incomes isn't something that locks into place some sort of unfair deal for the partner who pulls in more money right now. We've all seen in the last four or five years in this economy that somebody can be up and then they can be down, that one person can be the breadwinner and then be unemployed and the other person can step up and land a really decent job. So this can shift back and forth over time. It's not unfair to your girlfriend or your wife if she becomes your wife for you guys to divide up things fairly based on your incomes. This episode is brought to you by adamandeve.com. For a limited time only, Adam and Eve will let you pick three free adult DVDs with your order. Go to adamandeve.com and order almost any one item at 50% off. Choose a new adult toy, lube, or almost anything from over 18,000 adult products. Then at checkout, enter offer code SAVAGE and you'll get to choose three free adult DVDs. That's right. You get to choose your own DVDs. Plus, receive a free mystery gift and free shipping on your entire order. Choose from all kinds of genres for both gay and straight folks. And now you can also shop on your mobile phone at Adam and Eve. That's adamandeve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Ben, um, I have a question. Um, my girlfriend and I are 50s, 60s somethings, and we are very fortunate to have a wonderful love life. But uh, I have a concern that I'd like your perspective on. When we make love, I am always trying to give her an orgasm. It's it's something I really love doing, and I get a wonderful sexual feeling when she's having an orgasm. I frequently uh, give her uh, um, oral stimulation, and she gets all like, I want you in me now, right now, which I am give her. But then if I don't finish the job, she asks me to finish her off orally afterwards. The question I have really is, she has never given me oral stimulation from start to finish, not once. And isn't it kind of a double standard for her to ask me to taste my own cum, but she's never tasted it? What do you think about that? Is that a double standard? I feel like Judge Judy right now for some reason. Yes, this is unfair. I will issue a ruling. 
This is unfair. Uh, but you know when you haven't finished her orally uh, and you begin to uh, pound away at her with your peen. And so it, it, those times when you know she hasn't gotten there yet and you're about to come and that's going to mean her asking you to go down on her and perhaps taste your own cum, pull out at the last minute and blow your load on her stomach, on her back, on the cat, on the bed, elsewhere if you know – that she's going to ask you to finish her orally because what you were doing before the fucking started and the fucking obviously didn't get her all the way there. At that moment, you have the option of not leaving your cum in her pussy where you will have to taste it. But yes, it absolutely is a double standard for her to expect you to taste your own cum when she herself is unwilling to taste it. And cream pies, which is what those things are called when you go down on a woman after you've blown a load in her or perhaps someone else has blown a load in her. Uh, that's considered kind of super duper kinky. That's considered e- even humiliating. And a lot of straight guys, that's a big bar to clear. Tasting semen, anybody's, even their own. So what she's asking of you isn't just, you know, kiss me after I've given you a blowjob or go down on me. What she's asking you to clear is a pretty high bar for almost all straight men. So not only is it a double standard, but it's a big ask. And it's considered kind of, you know, in some circles, an extreme kink to do a cream pie. So... It is a double. Judge Judy says this is a double standard, and don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. And you have options, which is to pull out at the last minute and blow that load elsewhere, and then go face down in her muff, like she needs you to. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than one hundred thousand downloadable titles across all types of literature, and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audiobook to consider is Just Add Hormones, An Insider's Guide to the Transsexual Experience by Matt Cayley, narrated by Josh Hurley. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. That's audiblepodcast.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. Uh, I am an 18-year-old girl from the South, like Bible Belt South, and I've been listening since I was like 14. I love you. But um, my question isn't about me. It's for a friend. He's just afraid that if he makes the call, someone will recognize his voice. So he's asking me to do it. Um, What's happened is uh, I have this friend, and he's a closeted by kid. He's also 18, and he's been closeted for like his entire life. And um, he has this girlfriend who he likes a lot as a friend. He doesn't really like her that much as like, a sex person, but, like, he really loves her as a friend. Like, he loves her as a friend. And um, they consummated their relationship. Like, they fucked finally. And after they had sex, um, she started talking about marriage. And they're not going to the same college, but going to the same city for graduate school. And he was thinking about having sex with his male best friend the entire time. And my advice for him has been, you have to break up with her you you might not have to tell her the truth about yourself because that will crush her but you have to break up with her and he doesn't want to hurt her feelings he doesn't want to you know make her sad because she's in love with him she's talking about marriage you know age 18 so can i just have like some affirmation some yes you're right about this they need to break up because it will get worse if they don't god rip out my tongue with what i'm about to say when I was 18 years, 17, 18 years old, I was fucking my girlfriend and thinking about my male friends and thinking about Andy Gibb mostly. 
I realize most of you are going to have to go Google that name, Google image, and you'll find Andy Gibb. There's some videos out there. He was hot. He got me through opposite sex sex. The mental image of Andy Gibb got me through opposite sex sex. And the mental image of his best friend is getting him through sex with his girlfriend, your friend. Uh, That could be because he's gay like I was at the time. I was bi-identified but I was gay because – Telling people I was bi was easier because my straight friends didn't think I'd gone completely over to the dark side uh, and it was just easier for them to hear. Uh, and if I'd come out as gay, I wouldn't have had any friends at all. But bi, I still had friends and I needed friends. Anyway, I'm not saying he's gay. He's either gay though or not at all attracted to this girl that he's having sex with. Otherwise, he wouldn't have to fantasize about some dude while he fucked her. He would be into her. And I would say to your friend if he's listening – She's 18. She's thinking about marriage because you fucked her. <sighs> Probably thinking about marriage before you fucked her and now you, you, you've made a big mess and you need to extricate yourself from this mess in as kind and compassionate a way as possible, which means do it now. Do it fast. Tear the fucking Band-Aid off every single second that you allow this girl to continue to think that you are her boyfriend forever or her husband one day and that you love her in the same way that she loves you, you compound the cruelty. You are being cruel. You are even being a little vicious. And I know it's scary. And uh, this has been kind of in a way done to you. You're a queer kid, gay or bi, growing up in the Bible Belt. There's a lot of pressure on you to conform and to pass. And I'm sure it makes your life easier to have a girlfriend. And perhaps even you've been in a place at your age, 17, 18, as I was at 17, 18, thinking – I'm going to have to do this. I have to get a girlfriend. I have to get a wife. I have to learn to like this because this is the only way that I can live my life. This is the only acceptable option is to learn to pass for straight and learn to dig this. Uh, And I hurt some girls doing that because I was living up to what society expected of me and there were casualties. My girlfriends. She's your casualty right now. She's going to be hurt by this. She's going to be hurt when you come out as bi or gay. She's going to be hurt when she finds out that you have perhaps a boyfriend And there's no avoiding that hurt. And I realize you probably don't want to hurt her. I didn't want to hurt my girlfriends either. But every minute you allow her to continue to delude herself about who you are and who you two are potentially together, you make that hurt worse. It doubles weekly the amount of hurt she's going to suffer when you finally break up with her and eventually hopefully come out to her too as bi or gay, whatever you are. Don't drag this out. I think it's interesting that your friend said that you're not going to the same college but you're going to be in the same city for graduate school. That means you're making plans five years into the future right now with this girl. After college, into grad school, you could, as I've seen other Bible Belt closet cases and non-Bible Belt closet cases do, you could allow her selfishly to spend four years at college pining for you in a long-distance relationship with you, passing on opportunities uh, to date guys who could, who could really love her because you need the beard, because you need the cover, because you need her when you go home to convince your parents that you're straight or to pass yourself off uh, as straight at Thanksgiving and during the summer. Don't use her like that. That's cruel. It's vicious and it's unfair. And the amount of pain she'll suffer when she shows up at grad school and you break up with her then because you won't be able to do it. When she shows up at grad school expecting you're going to move in together, perhaps get engaged, get married, it will all come crashing down and you'll realize you can't keep this charade up. You can keep that charade up at college because it's easier. You only have to see her at breaks and Christmas and 
a little bit over the summer. It's easy to keep that closet case, closeted by or gay case, shit up uh, when you're in college and it's an LDR. You, it is impossible to keep that shit up when you're 22 years old, 23 years old in grad school and having to live with her. End it now. Hey, Dan. I am a 22-year-old bisexual female, and I have kind of a weird question. So I have a pee fetish, which I was really ashamed of at first, but I fully come to terms with it. But the problem is that I'm currently a medical student, and in the clinic, I see a lot of things like that, like people letting themselves through the lack of control. I first realized there was a problem when I was working in a hospital, and a woman came up to a clinician, and she said that her husband, who was an inpatient, had been waiting for a nurse to take him to the bathroom for so long, but now he was squirming desperately. She said she didn't think that he could hold on much longer. Um, so, like, now, even, like, now that I'm talking about it, I am really embarrassed to say that I'm getting turned on. So my problem is that patients trust their doctors to be, like, professional, and I don't know how to be professional about when, you know, patients mention their bathroom accidents, especially if they're around my age. Like, I know how to be outwardly professional, but... I feel all, all, you know, awful that I'm inwardly turned on. I mean, patients should be feel free to be, like, naked, to talk about their sex habits, all kinds of things with their doctors, knowing that their doctors aren't getting turned on. And here I am getting turned on one of their clinical symptoms. And what makes it worse is I'm most interested in being a urologist for totally legitimate intellectual reasons. But that would just be filled with patients with pee problems. So I just wanted to ask for some advice on how to deal with this. How do I stop getting turned on by this in a professional setting? Or should I accept that as a part of me and just go on professional face in front of patients even when my quit is dropping? And should I totally deny my dream of being a urologist? I really want to be a good doctor, but this is a totally huge problem with that. The problem here isn't the secret thrill. There are a lot of people in professions who are professionals who derive some sort of secret thrill from whatever external stimuli their particular profession exposes them to. I think of you know the most famous and obvious example is someone with a foot fetish or a, a shoe fetish who works in a shoe store and helps women put on shoes and has a top secret boner the whole time. You know that there are guys out there who work in high-end shoe stores who are just swinging out every time they have to go and get a pair of Jimmy Choo's for some hot lady who came into the store and that's OK so long as they can – Maintain their professional demeanor so long as they keep their boner to themselves. There, you know, people get secret thrills all the time. The showers at the gym. There are people who have completely rando thrills. Like they get an erection every time they get on the bus or they get turned on or they get wet when they get in a cab. People have these random erotic associations that they're not really in control of. Uh, we don't pick our kinks and they shouldn't be faulted for so long as if you, you're one of those people who every time you get on a bus get an erection, so long as you don't parade up and down the aisle asking everyone to take a look at your erection and informing everyone that you're so fucking turned on, you can just sit at the back of the bus and enjoy your boner. The problem I think with your particular problem is the conflict of interest inherent uh, in it. You're the urologist. You are there to solve people's urinary incontinence problems. And you enjoy urinary incontinence, particularly in people close to your own age or people who are attractive. So if I was an attractive young person close to your age and I had some piss problem, I had urinary incontinence, could I trust you to treat that effectively? If your clit is throbbing every time I wet my pants, that's a question that you need to ask yourself and, and, and honestly answer. But the shame you feel about the secret thrill – 
that's not a problem. A lot of people out there having secret thrills all the time and it's not a problem. The problem is the conflict of interest and the, the potential abuse of power. A doctor has a lot of authority um, over patients and patients listen to doctors. And let's say there's somebody who desperately needs to go to the bathroom and you're examining them or giving them some other treatment and they're asking you to let them go to the bathroom or to pause. Uh, can you trust yourself at those moments that you will never get carried away and put that person in a position uh, delaying their bathroom break where they end up wetting themselves? Can you do that? If you cannot do that, if you cannot fucking commit eternally, doesn't matter how hot the guy is. It doesn't matter if Ryan fucking Gosling is sitting there in a hospital gown while you examine him and he informs you that he has to go to the bathroom right now. Can you trust yourself even with Ryan fucking Gosling that you are not going to interfere with his bathroom break so that you can enjoy Ryan fucking Gosling wetting himself in front of you? If you can't commit to that, then you should probably pick some other specialty. Proctology, perhaps. But your worry over the secret thrill, I think, is misplaced. There are professions and professionals and people all over the country who have gravitated toward a particular field because there's a little bit of overlap with their kinks and their turn-ons. And that's fine so long as you can keep it professional. Can you? Hi, Dan. Um, I've called in about this once before um, about my dental fetish. Um, I'm wondering if there are other people out there that have a dental fetish. I figured out a way to kind of go about this. I've kind of seeked out kinky dentists and I've failed at that. Um, And I have lovely friends who are supportive in this and are also helping and but we want like a real dentist so they could do Novocaine injections and just be kinky and stuff. Um, And we want a professional for that, obviously. My question is, since we figured out a little scene, um, I will wear a butt plug, vibrating butt plug, while I go to the dentist, my next dentist appointment, like it will be a cleaning. Um, It's a remote-controlled butt plug. And while my friend, who is graciously accepting this offer that I've asked her, she's she's fucking awesome, um, will be in the waiting room and turning it on and off as she pleases. Um, A few people have said that that is going against the dentist. Like, is that morally wrong? Like, the dentist doesn't know, and he's being, you know, objectified, and he's being... It's against his discretion. But, I mean, he's just going to be checking my teeth and cleaning my teeth. It's not like, I don't know. I mean, is that wrong? Do you think it's like it's more immoral for me to do this? I mean, because it sounds like a lot of fun as long as I can maintain control and not have a total freak out in the chair. Hey, it's Dan. Hi. A couple follow-up questions for you. Have you ever had a vibrating butt plug in your ass? Yes, once. Once. But I, yes. <laughs> but we, we, we plan to uh, do some test runs. <laughs> they're, they're a little noisy and they're distracting uh, to the person that has the butt plug embedded in them. And, you know, when somebody becomes aroused, there are changes to your face. You, you flush. People's heart rates increase when they're turned on. They salivate more when they're turned on. All of your juices start flowing. Someone who's got his face nose to nose with your face and is in your mouth will uh-huh. probably notice <laughs> and probably hear that butt plug vibrating away in his chair. 
Well, we were we were thinking about just doing some test runs to make sure that it is not um, audible. It's not just the audibility that you have to worry about. It's that how turned on you're going to be and what happens if you have an orgasm? What happens if he realizes that you're panting? Now, I've spoken to dentists in the past who are aware that there are people out there who are dental fetishists who sometimes make dental appointments that they do not need just because they want to lay there in the chair and get turned on. There are people who are foot fetishists who go see – uh, you know, go to stores where they know there's some hot person who provides them with the shoes and hands them the shoes and they dev- derive a secret thrill. We we're just talking with a previous caller about the secret thrill mm-hmm. and the, the secret thrill of uh, somebody who works in a store, um, uh, you know, a shoe shop, putting shoes on women who turn him on. But he's been doing it a lot. He's probably really good at masking the, the turn on, uh, hiding his boner basically. Okay. And so it's so it's okay for that person, I think, to be in that sort of environment to derive that secret thrill because he's probably or she is probably going to be able to cover for it because they have been doing it for a long time and they're not going to pant and they're not going to faint or ejaculate or have some sort of orgasm in the middle of it, right? Right. What's going to happen when you're in the chair and this is happening to you for the first time? Your fantasy of – being penetrated or being in a dentist chair, being controlled by your friend out in the waiting room with this vibrating right. remote control butt plug. I just feel like all of that's going to cascade into some moment where you've exposed yourself as a kinkster and it's a fine thing to be a kinkster, but non-consensually having involved this gay dentist in fulfilling your fantasy. Uh-huh. It's, it seems a little unethical because this is a secret thrill that is unlikely to remain secret. Right. That the person who is that you are using at that moment to help you fulfill this fantasy may become aware of what's going on and feel a little violated. Right. Have you advertised for dentists who are up for this? <laughs> we have been looking around, actually, uh, my friend and I. Um, we, we went to FetLife, um, haven't really found anything yet. Because we just spoke to a, a, a urologist who likes to gets off on people wetting themselves, right? Uh, which is kind of a conflict of interest we were talking about with the urologist. There are some people in certain careers, you know, I'm a foot fetishist, I work in a shoe store, I keep it completely professional. But if somebody, you know, were to look for a, a kinky shoe store employee because they have a foot fetish too, that person would probably be really down with having an encounter in their store that's a little bit more explicitly sexual, where the secret thrill ain't secret anymore. There are probably dentists out there who have dicks who are turned on a little bit by being dentists or having patients in their chairs. Mm-hmm. I would keep looking. I, I think you can find one. I think you can find one where you could do this consensually where the person with the remote control in his hand is the dentist right. and it's sitting there on the tray. If you just look around, I think that option for you is not just you know the, the more ethical choice, but I, I think it's going to be easier to pull off. Yeah. And who knows? A lot of remote control butt plugs, the remotes aren't very strong. And you don't know how far away you're going to be. Um, well, the one that we were looking at is at least 20 feet and it goes through drywall. So, <laughs> Well, my dentist's office, the, the chairs are probably 50 feet from the waiting room. Yeah. I don't know about your dentist's office, but if you're casing dentist's office to find the one where <laughs> – there's only drywall and fewer than 20 feet between your friend in the waiting room and you in the chair that might itself arouse the suspicion of the dentist. Right. How long have you been looking around for a kinky dentist? Um, well, I've had a thing for dentists for at least six years, but I've been more active in searching and pursuing 
this fantasy over the last at least a year. I mean, I've I've done like dental play and stuff with friends, but it's not the same. Like you don't get the Novocaine injections and you don't have like a professional. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm obviously not going to hit on my personal dentist, but I'm always blessed with really smoking hot dentists. I'm I don't know what it is. I just always end up finding a really hot dentist. So that may have been kind of a trigger to that. Um, but I mean, I don't actively go out and try and find hot dentists. I just somehow end up with really hot dentists. So, but you haven't looked online for a dentist who might be I've looked hot around, a dentist. But, um, I mean, I've asked. Friends. You, I, I want to know. I want to know how hard you've looked. I want to know if you've put a little effort into finding a dentist who'd be willing to do this sort of thing consensually. Well, how like how do you go around? You can't just like go and ask like a called dentist office <laughs> but I mean I went to like Fet Life and there are medical play websites there's Craigslist there's kink personal ads the dentists are out there I've looked on Craigslist you just got like creepy weirdos on Craigslist it's like a <laughs> swamp of creepy weirdos it is kind of a swamp these days Dentists are grown-ups. There are some people out there who are kinky. There are certainly some kinky people who are into dentists because of the power, the control, the pain. It all like plugs right into a lot of people's sort of DS mm-hmm. shit. And you know, we go to dentists when we're very young and we're very helpless. There are these authority figures and that some people wind up eroticizing dentists and dentistry is predictable. And I'm sure dentists have encountered kinksters in their chairs who are not only getting their teeth cleaned but getting that secret thrill. And I think that secret thrill is fine. Right. I think it's fine though – but only if you can keep it secret. And unlike a foot fetishist who is a pro who works in a you know high-end shoe shop in Manhattan who's you know can maintain that calm, cool exterior even if he thinks it's really erotic that he's putting these shoes on these women's feet, I don't think that someone in your position in the chair with a vibrating <laughs> butt plug in her ass and a friend in the lobby is going to be able to maintain that calm, cool demeanor and keep right. the secret thrill secret. Even if even if we practice for the next four months, <laughs> well, maybe then. Because I, I I do think secret thrills are fine, and that people you know go out there into the world and find their secret thrills all the time. And secret thrills are fine if you can keep them secret. Right. So I guess I'm giving you a conditional okay. Practice, practice, practice. Make sure your secret thrill will be secret. Continue to look around for a kinky dentist. I bet you we get calls. So you, you have my conditional blessing, I guess, so long as you practice, 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 and you are goddamn sure yeah. that you can keep it secret. But I don't – I really – I think somebody nose think to nose in your mouth is going to notice you flushing and becoming turned on and aroused and squirming. But you know what? A lot of people in the dentist chairs squirm anyway. That's true because, I mean, it's not until June for my next appointment and it's you know just a cleaning. So we definitely plan to do a scientific – experiment and see if I can maintain and see if I can keep my cool. Okay. What do you, what do you quickly and just vaguely broadly, what do you do for a living? Or if you want to tell us specifically, we'll beep it, but what do you do for a living? Um, I do video producing for a software company. Okay. So if there's somebody out there with a soft, with a, you know, video production fetish who hired you, not because he necessarily wanted competent video production, but because it really turned him on for a hot lady to film him and he was trembling in front of you and completely turned on with a noticeable erection, would that make you uncomfortable as a professional? Um, probably. <laughs> okay, then. Yeah. Don't do that. Do unto others. I hate to go all God on you at the very <laughs> end, but... I know. Don't do unto a dentist what you wouldn't want some 
video production pro right. doing unto you. Yeah. Coming to see you under false pretenses and deriving a not-so-secret thrill. If you found out years later that some client was a kinkster who you know, derived some secret thrill, but the interactions were entirely professional and you had no idea, you wouldn't be offended. But if he was coming in his pants in front of you <laughs> right, and you weren't into him at all, you would be offended. Yeah. Right? A gay dentist isn't into you at all. No. And so if you're there under false pretenses with a vibrator in your ass coming in his chair, he might be offended. True. You need to game this out, not just logistically, but I think ethically. Ethically, I guess. I mean, it's been, that's why I called in because it was like, well, it's kind of a gray area. So maybe. Okay. Well, yeah. Props to you. Then you are, you are gaming it out. You are thinking about yeah. the, the ethics of yeah. it. And I guess, I guess I could keep going. I keep talking to you. I keep going on and on because I just can't come down on one side or the other. You know? Yeah. Good luck. Whatever you decide, give us a call and let us know. And I bet, I bet to God we're going to hear from Dennis who are like, I wish he was coming to my, my store. And then we'll hear from people about Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, God. I mean, I know they're out there, but I've been having a hard time finding them. But I totally understand it would be violating to my dentist, who I really like my dentist, so I would be kind of fucked up for him to witness that so i wonder how a dentist would feel if you just confessed and said i didn't ask for this i have this kink and i apologize but sometimes uh I, you know i gotta go see the dentist i always usually tell people not to present their kinks like problems or cancers but i have this issue in that you know i didn't no one asks for the kinks that they have but i kind of get turned on on the dentist and i apologize but i'm gonna get turned on and i can't help it um, so if I seem weird or squirmy, that's why. And I really apologize. But you know, a girl's got to go see the dentist, even a girl who's unfortunately saddled with this rando turn on. Right. I think you make that confession to enough dentists, you'll run across the dentist who's like, <laughs> happy to hear it. Right? Yeah. So maybe that strategy. Okay. If FetLife isn't providing you with the kinkster dentist of your dreams. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Good luck. All right. Thank you. Hi, I'm calling in response to the caller who was angry and suicidal about contracting STIs from his girlfriend. Aside from the suicidal thoughts, your call could have been my husband's 15 years ago. It's such a similar story. My husband contracted HPV from the girl he lost his virginity to. This girl knew she had it and didn't tell him. It was the very first time he'd ever made love. The first time. And instead of following the campsite rule, this girl lied and gave him warts that forced him into the campus clinic for the same procedure you described. Like you, he was incredibly resentful for a long time, and he was actually celibate for a couple of years. I think he felt like he had some sort of plague. We have a wonderful kinky sex life now, and that awful experience is mostly a distant memory for him, and I'm sure it will be for you too one day. I have to say, though... It's hard for me to understand the extreme emotions that this experience brought about for you and for my husband. HPV is extremely common if that's one of the STIs you contracted. So it's herpes. Whether it's HPV or herpes or whatever, people are not dirty or unclean because they have it. You are not spoiled because you have it. It happens. As Dan said, sex, like driving or even walking out in the street, carries a risk. Perspective is important. I could have misread the tone in your, your tone in the call, but I feel that you, and at one time my husband, may be perpetuating this unfair stigma attached to STIs. When you treat yourself like you're dirtied with some horrible plague, you're also saying that others with infections are dirty too. They're not, and you are not. Don't judge yourself, and don't judge others by the infections they may or may not have. 
just take away some lessons about communication and honesty from this experience and know that this is just one shitty thing that happened. It will get better. Please go see a therapist about the suicidal thoughts. Meet new people. There are great girls out there who will listen and be patient, honest, and fuck the hell out of you. And I bet the vast majority of the girls you will meet will have some pretty shitty stories to tell you about past boyfriends, too. And one more thing about the girl getting her just desserts. I don't particularly believe in karma or anything, but the girl who gave my husband HPV is a pretty miserable fuck these days. And my husband's life is fantastic. I know she sees successes on Facebook or whatever, and the best revenge really is living a great life. Good luck. Please talk to someone. Hi, I was calling reply to the guy who says that his... Uh not comfortable with his girlfriend breastfeeding in public and doing it often. I think what you said is mostly right, but I took issue with you saying that teenagers and young adults are not going to look at her funny and go home and whack off. I don't. I haven't come across in a while when breastfeeding, but um, definitely back then I would look at them funny with desire whether or not there was a baby there. Seeing boobs jiggle around and nipples being played with is quite hot, at least back then. I think as a gay man, you probably don't understand. You don't understand boobs. <laughs> you had a bit of a reaction to that. Hi, love the podcast, as always. Um, this is just some follow-up advice for the guy from Podcast 334 who was so concerned that horny teenagers might masturbate after seeing his girlfriend nurse their baby. Um, I just wanted to suggest that instead of a nursing cover, he could encourage her to use a burqa. That way she would be protected not only from the stares of guys who like to look at breasts, but also those who are into butts and legs and feet. Or he could, you know, get over himself. And we're going to leave it there. But quickly, full disclosure, my secret thrill is talking to people about their secret thrills. Just thought I'd throw that on the table. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you want to record a question or comment for a future show, give us a buzz. Dentists particularly welcomed to share their thoughts about the kinksters who wound up in their chairs. 206-201-2720. The podcast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian. My new book, American Savage, is available for pre-order now at Amazon.com and at local independent bookstores everywhere. And me and the tech savvy at-risk youth will be back at you next week with another installment of Savage Lovecast. Thank you.